Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. On today's podcast, we'll look at what's happening in our private hospitals. At the end of March, a deal was struck between the state and 19 such hospitals, designed to increase the HSE's capacity to deal with COVID-19. All of these hospitals will now operate for the duration of this agreement as part of the public health service. In some cases that might mean them doing some of the regular health service work that we are keen continues. Uh, in other cases it might mean them looking after people in emergency situations as heart attacks or strokes. Uh, and in other cases it might mean them being used in terms of their ICU capacity and their isolation capacity uh, to help us through COVID-19. But critics of the deal say it hasn't worked out that way. Minister, we're paying 115 million euro a month, which is a large sum of money, for healthcare facilities that we're currently not using and that it looks like we don't know how to run. Critics like Fianna Fáil health spokesperson Stephen Donnelly say the state is paying too much and getting too little. That vacancy rates in the private hospitals are high and that meanwhile the interruption of business as usual for private consultants and their patients is storing up problems for the future. This deal was put in place at a time when there were grave fears for the implications for the public hospital system. Martin Wall is industry correspondent with the Irish Times. The the pictures from Italy of ED departments and hospitals being overrun, of essentially battlefield medicine, battlefield triage being uh, carried out in the corridors of hospitals. And the aim was to avoid that in Ireland. So, Martin, if that was the aim, it can be said to have worked because our system wasn't overrun. But as Simon Harris said at the time, the deal was also designed to ensure continuation of regular health services in Ireland. So looking at it more broadly, how has it worked out? Well, it depends on really who you ask. The private hospital consultants who traditionally have worked in those facilities maintain that the occupancy has been very low. They do a snapshot picture once a week. The last most recent one was the 12th of May, and they maintain that there were, on average across the entire system, 34% occupancy. A third of the beds were occupied. The Simon Harris, the minister in the Doyle on Thursday, gave figures for individual hospitals. And he said that in some hospitals, the figure such as the Bon Secours in Cork, there was an 82% occupancy rate in April. He said that the matter, the matter private, both in Dublin and in Cork, had about 60%. But the consultants say when you look across the board and an average, it was about 34% occupancy. And this morning, the HSE had a press briefing on Sunday, gave figures that were about 44%. So in, in reality, you, it depends who you ask. It does appear that the use of these private hospital beds that the state uh, took over uh, at the beginning of April started off at a very slow rate. It is building. They are not being fully utilised as of yet. Martin, this deal is said to be costing €115 million a month. Is the state getting good value for money? Well, what we, in reality, we don't know what the actual cost is because we have estimated costs that the Taoiseach told the Doyle a couple of weeks ago that the figure could be a 115 million euro per month. But they are estimates. We don't know that because of the shortfall in the use of, of, of occupying the beds, that may have reduced that bill somewhat. The, the hospitals had to provide actual bills, uh, as distinct from estimated bills. Uh, by around about the 27th of April, but the government has not published and the HSE has refused to reveal so far how much in reality it has actually paid out. So the only figure we're going on is the estimated cost of €115 million per month. The private hospitals recently threatened to pull out of this deal altogether. Why is that? 
Well, basically, they made the point last uh, Thursday in a statement to the Irish Times that the deal was the right thing to do at the time, that although the beds were not being fully used, they were getting busier. But they also made the point that if they, if they didn't increase, if they didn't get to a, an increased number, that maybe they, sh- they should look at getting out of the deal as it's currently structured and going back into an arrangement such as they had previously had with the National Treatment Purchase Fund to carry out procedures on public patients. Now, to explain what that, the difference of that, that is, under the current arrangement, the hospitals have been taken over, in essence, lock, stock and barrel, with the exception of the private consultants. Under the NTPF model, the state would pay hospitals for packages of care uh, where they would buy, essentially, X number of hip replacements, Y number of cataracts, and other Z number of scopes, for example, they would carry out that and the hospitals would, would, would negotiate a deal with the National Treatment Purchase Fund to treat X number of public patients for these procedures where hospital accommodation costs were necessary and the consultant's fee were included in the package. As part of the NTPF arrangement, the hospitals remained independent entities, the staff remained independent contractors, and the state was just basically taking out a contract. So a very different model. And the private hospitals, as I say in recent days, have floated the idea of maybe moving back towards that arrangement. There is also other suggestions that maybe the state, rather than taking over everything, all 2,000 beds, may want to just keep a set number of them. To, to, to deal with uh, public waiting lists. That uh, causes its own issues as to whether, how you, would, uh, different, how you would differentiate between beds that were owned by the state and beds that have the private hospital, what would happen with the staff, who would work for the state, who wouldn't work for the state. So that has a, that's a, other alternatives, but they have to be, would have to be worked through as well. So there are, but what we had on Thursday was the first indication from the private hospitals that they were not all together, that there may be, they may look at different models into the future. And while all of this is going on, we're hearing of, of massive increases in waiting lists uh, since the new arrangements came into place. Um, so is, is there anything happening in response to that? The, the government and public health officials, they acknowledge quite readily that one of the bigger problem, one of the as equally as bigger problem perhaps as COVID-19 proposed for by itself was the issue of non-COVID care. So there were, what was happening was that people were not attending for other, other forms of care. And just because COVID-19 was, was the prevalence was in the community and in the, in the country and in the world, it didn't mean that the normal illnesses, heart attack, cancers, strokes, etc., were not happening. They were happening. But the fear was that people were not turning up and not seeking care for those uh, for those uh, conditions, and that there, in, in, in parallel to that, that people had uh, there was a whole panoply of other conditions that people have that were not getting care for. So the country was going to end up in a situation with ma- massive waiting lists down the road. Uh, waiting lists were already in, ex- in excess of seven hundred thousand. The figures now are in eight hundred thousand, and parallel to this, now we are seeing because of the t- because of the takeover of the private hospitals, because all of those waiting list figures we had were in relation to the public system. We see private hospital consultants now who claim they have been shut out of their traditional um, hospitals, claiming that there are private waiting lists growing as well. So, this. COVID-19 and the government response to it in relation to taking over the private hospitals has, has created many, many implica- implications for many groups. You had for the hospital, for the private hospitals themselves, 
for the state in terms of the costs, for the consultants in terms of the viability of their practices and the care for their patients, for the patients themselves, and also as well for the relevance into the future of the entire private health insurance industry, where there are 2.2 million people in this country who have private health insurance and private health cover in this country is in essence a 2 billion euro industry a year. So there were implications arising from COVID-19 and the government response to it for all of those particular sectors. And as we move into a new phase of COVID-19, all of those particular sectors and all those particular individuals and groups are going to be affected in different ways. And we're going to have to move towards how to deal with the implications for all of them as we move forward. Martin, uh, would you explain for us the the relevance of of the type A contract uh, which some consultants have signed up to um, in, in all of this? Yeah, what, what happened was when the state took over the private hospitals, as I say, it took over the beds, the diagnostics, the theatres and the staff, with the exception of self-employed consultants who practised traditionally in those facilities. There were about 600 of them. The state offered those consultants what is known as a type A contract. A type A contract is basically a contract where those consultants would work only in the public system. They would not see private patients. They would just work exclusively for the state and exclusively on on public patients. They would be offered a salary of between €141,000 per year and €195,000 per year. The average was around about €170,000. That was the contract that was offered to to these consultants. Of those 600 consultants, roughly around half, in around about 300 have accepted that contract for the duration of the COVID-19 emergency, running for about three to four months. However, another 50% or so, another 300 consultants have not. And what we do not know in reality is we do not have a breakdown of the specialty that these particular consultants work in, either the people who have signed up or the people who haven't signed up. And we do not know where they are around the country, in what particular hospitals they are and what particular hospitals they are not, not in. The consultants who haven't taken up the contracts have two specific issues, two specific concerns. One is in relation to continuity of care for their patients. They maintain that they have had traditional relationships with patients, a cohort of patients in, look who go to them for treatment, who may be midway through treatment, maybe being recalled for out, private outpatients, etc., etc. Under the government's arrangement, those patients would essentially become public patients and would be placed on a public waiting list. So they would be treated in accordance with clinical need, but not necessarily by the consultants who have traditionally um, treated them in the past. The separate separate issue that these consultants raised is in relation to the viability of their practices. The the salary offered by the government, as I say, 141 to 195,000 a year, is a very, very good salary. However, the consultants maintain that what it doesn't do that is it doesn't deal with their costs and their expenses. Now, for a number of private consultants, in essence, they are small businesses. They have bought or lease um, rooms from hospitals or, and those rooms that they buy, are, are, the costs can be quite significant. They can range from high into the several hundred thousands to an excess of a million in some cases. So they're, 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 the, the costs are, involved, are, are quite large. A number of these consult, private consultants also have staff. They have technicians, they have nurses, they have secretaries, some kind of business managers, and all of those have to be paid for from the income that comes from the health insurers who cover the, the, the private patients or from the private patients who pay themselves. The state's argument was, well, if, you, if the consultant went to work for the state, 
the staff could be dealt with through the wage subsidy scheme or the COVID unemployment schemes, for example. But the consultants maintained that, in essence, when this was over, this would have significant impact on their businesses and their businesses and their practices may be unviable at the end of it. So that was the two concerns that these that many of these private consultants have who have not signed up to this type A contract. Martin, does this potentially mean that the patients of those private consultants are in fact at risk of worse outcomes? There was a concern earlier this week that a private consultant who had not signed up to this type A contract could not... If, if they were dealing with, for example, dealing with a patient who they thought had potential cancers and they had taken, say, for example, a gynecologist who had taken a colposcopy uh, for somebody who they thought had potential cervical cancer, that that sample could not be actually processed by a private hospital if the consultant who was making the referral had not signed up to the type A contract. Now, that caused grave concern, concerns from doctors, there were concerns from the opposition. Uh, Fianna Fáil made a very strong statement saying this was dangerous. We have come through the cervical cancer uh, controversy two years ago and that this was potentially very dangerous for, for patients. Late on Friday afternoon, the state claims agency, which were issued the directive initially, had said that it had done so on the basis that of guidance it had got from the HSE and then at, uh, on Friday afternoon basically suggested that the HSE had changed its mind. So there had been obviously a change of heart and now the position is is that private hospitals, for example, they can actually uh, process uh, such uh, slides or radiology or whatever, no matter where they originate. There, there have been other concerns in relation to private consultants maintaining that they have had, as I say, a traditional relationship with their, consult- with their own patients for many, many years in some cases. They have specific treatments plans for them and they have maintained, well, if in the situation we are in now and the patient goes back onto a public waiting list, and that the waiting time for the particular patient could be longer than if than would have been the case if they had remained as a private as a private patient. Meanwhile, Martin, there are several hundred vacant consultant posts. Um, are, are there any signs that, that they might be uh, going about the business of, of filling them anytime soon? Well, the issue of the issue of the public hospital posts are the government um, back back in the the pre-COVID era of last Christmas, just before last Christmas, put a proposal on the table for a new contract, uh, which would be a public only contract, and that uh, consultants would be paid a salary of in or around about two hundred and fifty thousand euro per year. That would be the, the the gist of it. Now that would actually involve negotiating a new contract. That was a government offer. There would be negotiations on that. Unfortunately, that as the world moved into the COVID uh, preparatory and then the, COVID, the onset of COVID, that contract and the negotiations did not happen. So there will have to be another negotiations. On a, the government wants to offer a new contract. It wants to put forward proposals to have more consultants working in the public system. But that will involve further talks, and I presume that is not going to happen in the immediate term. So I imagine we're going to be talk- talking about the autumn by then. The other part we have to look at is that was a proposal put forward by the outgoing government. Maybe the new government may have different ideas. 
The other part, you know, we have the, the minister the other day has talked about where stands Launchicare and maybe we may look beyond Launchicare, we may look at the, 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 which is obviously, you know, they've the, got the state's healthcare reform uh, plan. So we'll have to wait and see what how that goes and whether the proposal that the government put on the table last Christmas in relation to consultants will be a proposal that the next government will actually pick up and run or whether the next government will have its own proposal, maybe different proposals. And we'll have to wait. And sub- subject to the government deciding that, there would have to be negotiations with the representative body. So we're probably several months away yet I would have thought before we have any kind of an, an idea about that and uh, not to be too negative about this but um, the last time the government sought to negotiate a contract with hospital consultants it cost it took eight years to conclude. And we're not filled with optimism uh, on it so. Um, is there a possibility though Martin um, with the with the private hospitals and um, that the state might uh, decide to try and take those over permanently as envisaged in, in Sanchecare? Well, the well, Solange Care dealt largely with private care in public hospitals. What the state has looked at in relation to the private hospitals up to now is the the state also needs to build additional capacity. Uh, it has the state has acknowledged for some time that it has about 11,000, 12,000 public beds. It needs to increase that the population is growing and the population is aging, even before COVID. So it has to deal with that that issue. The state had decided it wanted to build. Uh, three hospitals, three new hospitals that were going to be deal with elective or non-urgent cases that wouldn't have a situation whereby they uh, beds will be taken up by surges in ED department. And I'm talking about this was a, this was in back in the era before COVID. So they were looking at building capacity anyway, extending capacity anyway. And as part of that looking at capacity, the state had looked at in embryonic terms had looked at buying private hospitals, uh, buying existing private hospitals. Obviously, the state um, has had a bad experience in relation to building hospitals in the context of the Children's Hospital. Although, to be fair, the, the other big hospital that has been built, the Central Mental Hospital, the new Central Mental Hospital being built in Portran, is on schedule and on budget. But that the suggestion among some senior people in the Department of Health was, was that it may be um, quicker to offer to buy a particular hospital that is already up and running, already has staff, already has theatres, etc., and is, is is used to doing elective care. That was a thought process that was going on in the, in the Department of Health several months ago. You know, bear in mind that even with COVID, and perhaps because of COVID, the issue of capacity in the public system is actually going to increase. With social distancing requirements, we cannot go back to the scenario of overcrowded ED departments where people are lying on trolleys, cheek by jowl, etc. And people trying to squeeze their way through and doctors can take patient histories in the middle of a corridor. All of that kind of stuff is going to have to be rethought now in the context of, of the new COVID world and the social distancing restrictions. So it will become more, more, um, more important for the state to deal with the capacity issues in the new COVID world. What it means to do that, maybe buying private hospitals maybe become more uh, attractive to them. Because obviously if the state goes down the road of, of building you're talking about several, several years, given the planning um, and the stages that have to be gone through. So in the in the nearer term, what do you expect to happen in the uh, over the next couple of weeks? OK, the first piece, there are a couple of deadlines that have to be met under the contract with the that the state has with the private hospitals. The state has to tell the private hospitals whether it wants the, to extend that contract and it has to tell them about that by the end of May. So currently at the moment, there is a review going on within the HSE. A leg of that review is undoubtedly the cost 
and a, a confidential paper that went to the National Public Health Emergency Team um, a week or so ago made quite clear made quite clear that uh, Pascal Donoghue as Minister of Public Expenditure will have to be involved in that decision. So we will, the state will have to decide over the next week to 10 days as to whether it wants to try extend that current arrangement for a further 30 days beyond its existing expiry date at the end of June. Some sources are suggesting that, that it may be premature for the HSC to make such a big decision that it doesn't need these facilities, given that it is only essentially reopening the non-COVID healthcare in reality from this week, from this coming week. So will it be able to make a decision, a very big decision on that on that issue by the 31st? Maybe it will be extended for another month. When we see the real costs as against estimated costs, that will be another issue that will obviously have to be borne, be borne in mind. There are people, as I say, within government talking about retaining parts of hospitals. But as I say, I think that poses its own problems, as I say, which beds, which staff, which theatres, which diagnostic facilities. So all of those issues will have to be borne in mind. But the decision will have to be taken very quickly in relation to what the state actually wants to do. My thanks to Declan Conlon, who produced today's podcast, and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>